Welcome to Dig Deep. Well, as you probably know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, I am pregnant and due in January. We have three little ones and our fourth little one is on the way. And one of the weirdest things about pregnancy has got to be the weird pregnancy cravings. And I have had a lot of the typical ones like really wanting pickles or preferring beef to chicken and things like that. But I've had some pretty weird ones too. And my husband has always been openly disappointed with my pregnancy cravings because I think he had this idea in his mind that someday when my wife is pregnant, she is going to send me to the grocery store at all hours of the night to get ice cream and cookies and we are just going to have a sweets fest because I told you last week, he is a total sweets person. So I think this is the idea he had in his mind. Well, he has been very disappointed because that has never been the situation. In fact, in our first pregnancy, I was pretty miserable the first trimester. And then when food finally started to taste good to me again, one day I was at work and went to get lunch from the cafe in the office building where I worked at the time. And there was one particular item on the salad bar that looked amazing to me. And so I got my salad with a huge side of this newly craved delight. And it was so delicious that on the way home from work, I stopped by the grocery store just so I could buy a huge supply to keep in the fridge at home. And I was so excited to tell Ben when he came home from work. And I said, oh my goodness, you're not going to believe this. I had my first real pregnancy craving today. And he was excited and he tried to guess what it was. He said, is it ice cream? I said, nope. He said, is it pizza? And I said, not even close. And I went to the fridge and grabbed the container and proudly announced to him, it's cottage cheese. (laughs) And for those of you listening whose faces just grimaced in disappointment, Just know that his face did the same thing, but to the power of a hundred. He could not believe how miserably boring my cravings were. And while pregnancy cravings are super weird and mysterious, and we don't really know why pregnant women crave the things that they do, there are certain things that we all crave. And in this series, The Hungry Heart, we're looking at what it is that our hearts seem to universally crave and how to satisfy those cravings. So last week, we looked at Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 2. And looking at verse 2 again, God is saying to his people through the prophet Isaiah, Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. And so last week we talked about the food industry and how they've discovered the bliss point and how this world wants to offer us foods that have been chemically created specifically to manipulate our taste buds into craving more and more and more, but of course ultimately leave us unhealthy and unsatisfied. And we said, okay, let's consider what things in this world play the same game with our souls, things that offer us that same sort of manipulated false satisfaction. And so we used social media as an example because researchers are seeing more and more how social media has the same sort of bliss point that keeps us coming back again and again, creating addictive type behaviors because it seems to be, in its own way, the perfect blend of salt, sugar, and fat. We compare our lives to other people. We envy the snapshot, the edited lives of the others that we see. 
And as research has discovered, the whole thing just leaves us more anxious and more depressed and less satisfied with our lives. And we said it's spiritual Cheetos. And so today, I want us to consider how living in this world full of spiritual Cheetos, all different kinds of things that offer brief instant gratification, but on the whole leave us unhealthy and unsatisfied, how then can we feast on the good things that God offers us in the second half of Isaiah 55 verse 2? When he says, listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Because God is offering us something better. And this is a theme that we see in scripture again and again. We see the same sentiment from David, King David in Psalm 34, when he cries out, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then we hear the same phrase repeated by the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2. In verse 2, he says, Like newborn babies, crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. We see this phrase in Scripture, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you have children or you've ever been around children or you've ever been a child yourself, you know that children are notoriously picky eaters. And I don't think that this is because they're just little brats and they want to be difficult. They genuinely have developing taste buds and haven't yet been taught to appreciate good food. Now, I'm grateful that my kids aren't aren't terribly picky eaters. They love broccoli. They love tomatoes. They eat cherry tomatoes like they're candy. I once caught my son when he was about 15 months old sitting with the fridge open eating a whole tomato like it was an apple. My oldest daughter loves sushi and all my kids love pretty much all the fruits and veggies that we have on hand in our house all the time. And if it sounds like I'm bragging, I totally am, because I like to think that my kids' diverse tastes are evidence of my fantastic parenting, but honestly, I think I just got really lucky. So in the same breath, I also have to reveal that like so many American parents, I have children who would probably be content to eat only hot dogs and ketchup for the rest of their lives. My one daughter asked me recently why they're called hot dogs, and you guys, I seriously considered telling her that it was because they were made out of dogs (laughs) because I thought maybe it'll steer them all away from it. But I didn't. I chose not to lie to my child. Congratulations to me. But I continue to feed my children hot dogs and ketchup on the regular because it's part of our lifestyle. And I have some good friends who are total foodies. They're both great cooks and they're really diverse, healthy eaters. And they have a daughter whose favorite food in the world, if you can call it a food, was ketchup for a long time. And even at Chick-fil-A, they would try to make a healthy decision for her and get the fruit cup instead of the french fries. And they said they were disgusted that she would dip every piece of fruit into a ton of ketchup before eating it. And getting kids to eat healthy is a topic of so many blogs and articles and studies and parenting conversations. Why? Because we want our kids to eat healthy because we love them, because we love them. And my kids all know that there are healthy foods and what we call in our house sometimes foods. And so when we ask them, why do you think mommy and daddy want you to try this healthy food? They say begrudgingly, 
so I can grow big and strong and be healthy. And it's true. We want our kids to eat healthy because we love them. We want them to grow strong and live long, healthy lives. And God, our loving Father, wants the same for us. And so he's calling out to us through the prophet Isaiah and through King David and through the apostle Peter. He's saying, just taste and see. Just try me out and see that I am good, that I love you, that I hold the key to real satisfaction of your deepest needs. He's saying, I know that your heart is hungry for grace for freedom from your past mistakes, for peace instead of anxiety, for joy and purpose and a deep sense of belonging and identity. And he's saying, just taste and see that I am good. And it's important to note in all these passages, and my husband pointed this out to me, that the verse doesn't say, taste and see that the Lord tastes good. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I shared last week about my experience with a cleanse-type diet where I went without processed foods for about six months, and when I ate Burger King at the end of that six months, I felt like I was going to die. But what I didn't share was that before the food really hit my system and made me feel miserable, the food tasted amazing because, see, my taste buds hadn't experienced that manipulated bliss point of salt, sugar, and fat in a long time, and it tasted awesome. Those French fries tasted amazing, but then it destroyed my insides. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's look again at that first, pa- first Peter chapter 2 passage. He says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. See, taste, the word taste, as it's used in the Bible, is different from our context for the word taste today. When we think about the word taste, we might think about a blind taste test or getting free samples as we walk through the food court or through Costco. They viewed the word taste differently. To taste in their language, in their culture, was intrinsically connected to eating and being satisfied. To taste meant to savor. It was the first step in digestion, in consuming something, in eating it fully. And Peter is saying, now that you've tasted that God is good and truly satisfies, go to him as your source of food. Why? So that you can grow, he says. And in our culture where food has come to be associated more with pleasure, I think, than with sustenance, we really struggle, I really struggle to understand that concept fully. But food was created to give us energy, to supply the resources we need for our bodies to grow, to build muscle and repair any damaged cells in our body, to sustain life and move us forward. And in the same way, God is calling us to taste and see that he's the one, the only one who can do that for our souls. But God doesn't taste like Cheetos. He isn't a quick fix or a salty snack. His truth is meant to be savored. It needs to be fully digested to change us from the inside out. 
So what is ailing you today? What hunger pangs are you experiencing in your heart? Are you feeling guilt over mistakes that you've made this week? Are you feeling lonely even though you're in the middle of a crowded room? Are you feeling unfulfilled even in the midst of a crammed calendar? Are you feeling anxiety that's leaving you grasping for something, anything, to just numb the nerves? God is beckoning you. He's saying before you try to find the answers in the food court of the world, try me, taste and see that I am good. And so this message today has a really practical application. And it's two questions for us to ask ourselves to move forward in finding real satisfaction in God. And the first is, are you ingesting God's truth daily? And then are you digesting God's truth fully? Are you ingesting his truth daily? Are you digesting his truth fully? So let's look at the first one. Are you ingesting God's truth daily? This week, I read the results of a study that was done trying to figure out how to get picky children to eat healthy food. And so they broke the children into different groups, and they were looking at different patterns of how to get parents to get their kids to try these foods and what methods worked and what didn't. And what the study concluded is that the best way to get a kid to accept a new healthy food, that at first they're rejecting it, and they used raw vegetables as the example in the study, the way to get them to accept this new food is to insist that they just taste it every day for 14 straight days. 14 days! As a parent, that seems impossible to me. And it doesn't surprise me that the study found that most parents gave up after three to five attempts, but those who found success had their kids try it every day for 14 days straight to taste and see that the Lord is truly good. We have to faithfully ingest his truth every single day. And so I don't know if this is something you do already. Maybe it's something you used to do. Maybe it's something you do from time to time. But I want to encourage you to ingest God's truth every day. And there are some practical ways that you can do this. If you use the Bible app, you can go on there and start a reading plan that will happen every day. You can also go to uversion.com. It's the website version of the Bible app. And there you can set up alerts and reminders. You can have the verses or your Bible reading emailed to you so that it shows up in your inbox. They'll also send you the verse of the day if you want, just another piece of scripture for you to chew on. This week, I think it was on Sunday morning, I woke up to the words on my phone, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34 happened to be the verse of the day on Sunday. David says, come my children and listen to me. Isaiah says, listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. They're saying, come to God, listen ingest his truth daily. And so that's the first question we need to ask ourselves. Are we ingesting his truth daily? And then second, are we digesting it fully? 
because here's the danger, I think, in our culture. We have such a food court experience of this life, tasting things here and there, that it's all too easy to throw God into that mix. I'll take a little bit of God when I'm craving him. Maybe you enjoy listening to Christian music, or you enjoy going to a great church on Sundays, or even reading the Bible here or there. And that's all good. That's not bad. That's ingesting his truth faithfully. But it's not just about ingesting God's truth daily. In fact, it's all too easy for us to trick ourselves into thinking that we have God in our daily diet if we do those things. But are we fully digesting his truth and seeing its effect on our lives? Because we know that digestion is the breaking down of food into usable pieces that our body can then use those pieces to build muscle and create energy to strengthen us and even repair areas of our body that are damaged. I mean, it's an incredible process that our bodies can take food and turn it into those things. And the same is true for our hearts. The same is true for us spiritually. Are we just ingesting God's truth or are we allowing it to really change and shape our lives? Because it does have the power to heal us, to strengthen us, to grow us, to change us, to move us forward. But only when it's digested, when it's broken down and applied to every area of our lives. So how do we do this? Well, we need to learn to chew on the Bible. I don't know how better to say it, but learn to chew on the Bible. Break it down manually. If you've never done this before, um, there is a great basic Bible study tool that you can apply as you're reading any passage of scripture. And it's the acronym SOAP, S-O-A-P, SOAP. The S is for scripture, the O is for observation, the A is for application, and the P is for prayer. And so you simply sit down and do your reading for the day or anytime you're reading scripture, and then you make observations. Take notes on paper or on your phone of what you're reading. Ask the who, what, when, where, why type questions. And then move to application. The A, what impact should this have on my life? Write it down. Think it out. Think it through. Think about how this could affect your relationships, your work, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your thoughts, your behaviors, your actions, your habits. How does this apply to my life? And then the P, closing in prayer. I personally recommend praying before you start reading the Bible and then also as you close your time in the Word. And you can pray a simple prayer like, God, I'm about to read from the Bible. Would you use this time to change me and impact my life? And then closing your time, pray through the applications that emerged for you. Pray about the relationships or the tough decisions or the things that you might Sense God's prompting you to do with that scripture that will be difficult for you to do. Pray through those things. Are you ingesting God's word daily? Are you digesting it fully? Because God's truth, when digested by our hearts, makes us strong. It heals us. It matures us. It grows us. It gives us energy. moves us forward. It sustains life. And as we've read in so many places in scripture, it satisfies our deepest need. And this is the core idea behind the name of this podcast, Dig Deep. 
See, you've probably heard me talk about it before if you've listened to the podcast for a while, but the name Dig Deep is based on the passage from Luke chapter 6, where Jesus paints this picture. He describes this picture of two men who are both building houses, and he says the foundation that they choose to build upon is very different. The one man digs down deep and builds the foundation of his home on the rock, the solid rock. And the other one does not dig. Instead, he just builds on the surface. He builds on the sand. And Jesus says the difference between the two men is not who ingested God's truth. It's who digested God's truth. Listening, listen to the defining difference between these two men in Jesus' words. He says the first hears my words and puts them into practice. And the second hears my words and does not put them into practice. They both heard his words. The difference came with whether or not they actually put them into practice. Are you applying God's truth to your life? See Peter in the passage that we've read when he says, now that you've tasted that the Lord is good, go to him and have him be your source of sustenance so that you can grow up in your salvation. Well, the verse before that, Peter's saying, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. And the therefore at the beginning of that verse, at the beginning of this chapter, is referring to the chapter before where Peter's calling the people to live holy lives, set apart, different. And he's saying, taste and see that the Lord is good. And he doesn't want you to just ingest his truth. He wants to use it to change you from the inside out in the most practical ways. He says, if you are craving the word of God and ingesting it daily, it's going to change your relationships. It's going to change the way that you think, the way that you operate, your habits, your behaviors. It's going to get rid of things in your life like malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. It's going to help you grow and mature and show you the way to real life. Are you breaking down what you're reading and allowing God to use it to build strength and give you energy and repair the broken places in your life. And I want to close today by giving you an example from my own life. When my husband and I got married, we had the reference Ephesians 5 verses 1 through 2 engraved on the inside of our wedding bands. And I love the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases this passage in the message translation. It reads, watch what God does, and then you do it, like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. And I love that phrase, learn a life of love. Those of you who have heard parts of our story as a married couple from the Restoration Marriage series know that we have had dark days in our marriage, days where our love grew cautious, 
when we hurt one another and withdrew, not wanting to risk being hurt again. But these verses were just a few of the words in scripture that moved us forward and helped us to love extravagantly instead of cautiously. To love not just to get something from the other person, but to give everything to the other person. See, God wants us to do more than engrave his words on our metal wedding rings. He wants us to ingest them and digest them and have them become the building blocks for our muscles. The building blocks that'll teach us how to love and live and relate to others. And they're the very words that will give us the strength to actually live it out. And I can say that in our marriage, ingesting and digesting those words of Jesus regularly are the key ingredient to the strength and health of our marriage today. It's just one area of my life where God's word has proved to be good. So are you ingesting his truth daily? Are you digesting it fully? Because he's calling to you taste and see that he is truly good. And I encourage you to try this today. Go and make time to read his word, to ingest it, to fully digest it, and to see its effects in your life, to see that he is good because he loves you and he wants to show you the way that leads to life. He wants to satisfy the deepest desires of your heart. So I hope that you will take this practical step of spending time with God in his word daily. And I want to encourage you, like the children in that weird study about picky eaters, to consider doing this starting today for 14 days straight. And whether this is a normal part of your life already or you've never done anything like this before, I want to encourage you to spend time with God in his word, not just reading it, but digesting it and applying it to your life every day for 14 days. And as we approach the end of this series, I think you will see evidence of how God's working in your life, that he is good and that his way is the best way. So I hope that you'll join me with that challenge for these next 14 days. Thanks for being here. We hope to see you again next week back here as we continue the Hungry Heart series. Until then, remember to dig deep. 